Um, what's the role of a good protector? Well, uh, a good shepherd. It's to encourage people uh, to kneel in glad surrender, mm. right? So are you doing that, right? Um, are, are you worshiping the Lord uh, and obeying what he says? Are you doing that in your home? Are you teaching that to your kids? Are you uh, leading your wife in that? Uh, if so, praise God. This is the Defiant Dad podcast show number four. Coming to you today from the great state of Texas. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Uh, Defiant is defined in the dictionary as showing a disposition to challenge, resist, or fight. This podcast it equips fathers to fight for themselves and for their families using the truth of the gospel. John 15, 13 says, quote, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This verse and several others in the Bible call on men to be the protectors and shepherds of their household. And in my opinion, and in the opinion of today's guest, too many Christian men have for decades, if not longer, abdicated their role as shepherd and protector which has led us into this age we're in, where sin is celebrated, the Word of God vilified, and uh, even basic facts like the number of genders, two, by the way, uh, that's questioned. You know, just saying there are only two genders is uh, now classified as hate speech, you know, is a hateful thing to say to many people, which just blows my mind. Uh, So we're seeing the fruits of this lack of labor, where men have, for one reason or another, sat idly by and watched as their families, or they themselves even, have turned from the truth of God, and they've instead embraced moral relativism, outright falsehoods, uh, things along those lines. Andrew Rubinson is our guest today. He's a great friend of mine, and he was an elder at my church for many years. Uh, He's someone that has always, in my opinion, demonstrated well what it means to be a loving shepherd uh, for his wife and kids. He's someone whose words I think you can absolutely trust. He's someone I hope to have as a friend for a long time to come, and uh, he has some really, really great things to share with men today about the subject of uh, being a protector and shepherd. And with that, let's just get right in, which is great. She's almost three. Uh, She still gets up, though, and spends half the night in our bed and has for her entire life. So one day, that might change, but, you know, it's okay. I I don't want to say that I'm... Wanting her to grow up fast because I'm not. I was joking around with her about that. Joking around with her about that today. I was like, "Hey, you're not growing like anytime soon, are you?" And she goes, "Yeah, Dad, Dad. <laughs> Me grow every day." <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, you are. Uh, sadly, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so yeah, much. I- thank you so much for coming out to uh, to the studio here to record with me, Andrew. I really appreciate you being here, man. My pleasure. Um. How you been doing the last few weeks? It's, uh, you know, I haven't seen you, I guess, in about a month since you stepped off staff at City Church, and love to know how that's been going, and, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, it feels like life and the world is constantly changing and such, but all in all, it's good. Um, job's going well, um, and uh, we are... Uh, we're pregnant with number four. I don't know if you knew that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, I think I knew that. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So. I, I saw, okay. And like one of the last Sundays we had together at City Church, you, I think, I, I 
think I might have picked up on something. Well, that was the day we found out. Actually, was the last Sunday we were okay, there. So you didn't. So I didn't. I don't. No. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm no, just making it's, this it's up. It's too early line. for Willie to be showing. Okay. Well, no, obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously. Congratulations, by the Thank way. Thank you, man. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, we're we're pumped. That's great, man. Well, I want to start off by um, uh, by getting to know you. I mean, I know you. I've known you for ten years. I've known mm-hmm. your wife for about eighteen or almost twenty, I guess, and. Yeah. Um, want to get to know you. I want to know how you came to know the Lord, uh, what your family's history is. I know that's part of your, your story as well, at least from what I've gathered from yeah. past conversations with you. Uh, so let's, let's start there. Yeah. So uh, Fort Worth native and grew up in a kind of nominally Jewish house. Okay. Um, what do you mean by nominally? We didn't practice. Like maybe we went to the synagogue on... Uh, you identified as Jewish, though. Well, it's kind of a, a bit of a mixed bag. My uh, whole, my dad's side of the family is all Jewish, um, and part of my mom's side is. Mm-hmm. And so we were uh, more maybe uh, American than anything, and so we didn't celebrate Hanukkah, but we did celebrate Christmas. But uh, I couldn't have told you why or what it meant. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, it was an occasion <laughs> to get together with family and have gifts. Well, of course, yeah. And so that was, that was most of what it was. But, like, um, you know, I have... Uh, lots of memories getting together with uh, family for Passover and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So grew up in a, um, like religious, but non-practicing context, okay. I guess I would say, because my extended family practiced, mm-hmm. but my, my immediate family did not. Yeah. And, uh, was more or less content to not think about those things mm-hmm. until high school when, people started uh, making fun of me for being the Jewish kid. Okay. And I don't really know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was just kind of a, an odd thing that they did. And so I figured, I guess maybe I should look into this and didn't... You didn't said pr- high school? Yeah, it was high school. Okay. Yeah, so didn't pursue uh, that very hard. It was more like, how can I just make both of these things work? I've got um, uh, this Jewish heritage, but also uh, I'm around a lot of... Uh, people that identify as Christians, uh-huh. and so can I just kind of be both or something? Yeah. And again, yeah. I knew nothing, right? right? Yeah. And so it wasn't until uh, I was a senior in high school that a buddy of mine started taking me to church, and he did that because he more or less kidnapped me. I was, <laughs> uh, he and I were friends, and one day he was just like, "Hey, I'm I'm on my way to your house, and you're going to come to church with me." Wow. And so. I couldn't make up a lie fast enough, so I said okay, wow. and went, and it was uh, it was really fascinating, really, uh, okay. yeah, to watch people um, sing and cry out to a God that they really believed heard them. That wow. was uh, really intriguing to me, and, and you, I, that wasn't something you had witnessed at the synagogue. No, okay, no, and so I continued to go back and ask a lot of questions, and it was um, a few months later. Um, when uh, the Passion of the Christ mm-hmm. was a, a thing, and everybody was talking about how it was anti-Semitic and everything. Mm-hmm. And so uh-huh. I figured, well, um, I, I've been going to church. I should go see it and see what I think. Yeah. And it was just the instrument that God used to break me. And mm-hmm. so uh, sat through it and just, like, ugly cried through, like, the whole thing. Wow. And came home convinced, like, oh, what that, the story that told, that was true. Wow. That actually happened, and wow. and I actually 
I need salvation. Wow. And so it all kind of started from there. And yeah, um, shortly after that. um, How old were you? I was 18. 18, okay. Yeah. So the the gospel answered, I mean, what question kind of doesn't it answer when it comes to life? But like... When you're 18. Yeah, but um, I'd spent a lot of my youth depressed. Mm. And Mm. it suddenly gave me a reason for why I am the way that I am and why things happen the way that they do uh, because uh, God is the one who plans and ordains and I'm not. Yeah. And so uh, it, uh, it, in a s- real way, like set me free um, to say, okay, um, it's like what Paul says, First uh, Corinthians 15, uh, 10, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Mm. And so it was just kind of how, uh, yeah, I also felt similarly by the grace of God. Yeah. I, I am what I am, and yeah. and I can't change that. Yeah. Uh, and instead, what I ought to do is uh, accept it, uh-huh. see where I'm weak, and do what Paul says uh, in the same passage is I worked and work hard. And so yeah. that was what I needed to by do. By work, you mean? Yeah, certainly not work for salvation, right? No. But like to, fight, uh, by, like to fight your sin and become more Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If there are areas where you're weak, like what ought you do? Wow. Work hard. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so then fast forward then to, uh, you know, it must have been about 2010, 2011, where I probably first met you. I remember when mm-hmm. you and your wife started dating. Yep. Um, and like I said, I'd known your wife at that point for seven or eight years now. We'd become good friends. And yeah. uh, she's friends with my wife as well. And um, I, I remember vaguely, like, you started attending the church, but I think I remember noticing you as a guy when you guys started dating because, you know, your wife was such a good friend of ours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, very quickly you, you progressed into like a, a leadership role at the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what happens? So in those, those years, you know, between high school and how old were you when yeah. you guys got married? Uh, let's see. I think it was 26. Okay. I have to think about that for a minute. <laughs> so you're probably about 28 or so when you first started doing stuff with church, like in leadership. Um, let me think. Yeah, I think that would be right. That's yeah. a pretty, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I, I mean, the Lord does what he does in anybody's life. You know, there's not like a set uh, algorithm or something that he works by, but like, that's, that seems fast to me. Like, that's really cool to see yeah. from yeah. a brand new converted believer, Yeah. you know, like you didn't just grow up in the church and were vaguely familiar with all these things. And then, you know, like, like I did, but like, right. you know, like, dare I say, unaware or hostile, even to the gospel at times. Oh yeah. You know to being a leader in the church, like in 10 years, like that's incredible. Yeah. And, and, and I was hostile to the gospel for sure. And uh, yeah, God did a great work. Mm. Um, so after coming to faith, I realized, uh, again, this, this gave me the answers to, to life. Mm. Right. Yeah. And yeah. because of that, uh, I just immediately also became convinced that everybody needs to know about this. And so, what I wanted to do then was share the gospel. Yeah. Um, and so I figured, oh, well, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go to TCU, <laughs> Texas Christian University, <laughs> and I'm going to get a Christian education. Right. And that'll really prepare me for ministry. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> I was in for rude awakening my yeah. first semester. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my path as well. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, I was in a Bible class and uh, hearing the prof talk and I, I didn't know a lot, yeah. but I knew enough to know that what he was saying wasn't true. Yeah. And so yeah. felt like, man, this is not at all what I expected. Yeah. And was eventually told I was going to fail 
the class if I continue to use our class conversations as opportunities for sharing the gospel. <laughs> and so, okay. uh, yeah, it, it changed pretty quickly. I ended up... Um, I'm impressed by that, by the way. Uh, I, well, I did not have that boldness. Oh, well. I definitely had the same qualms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so graduated with a degree in communication because at that point I was convinced um, that I would go on to study theology somewhere else mm-hmm. and ended up... Um, taking classes at a few seminaries mm-hmm. and then not finishing any degree. Okay. So yeah, uh, got about half a degree um, and uh, wish I could have finished, but in that time uh, met Whitley and yep. wanted to uh, get married and I needed a job to be able to do that. So yeah, uh, left uh, left school to take a full-time job. And yeah, anyway, and at this point, my uh, my credits are all too old, so they're not any good anymore. Oh, no. And so it doesn't really matter. You can't cash them in for no. half credit now. No, no, I wish. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I was convinced I wanted to do something uh, in the church, was in school, then uh, left school and got married. Uh, and at that point, the church was uh, smart enough to say, you've got a lot going on, um, uh, figuring out your kind of place now in this uh, job that you're working and learning how to be a husband, focus on that. And then the next year I started going through a kind of pastoral training process through the church. And then the following year after that um, was when I was installed as an elder at the church. Wow. Man, well, praise God to see like, just again, the way he's worked in your life. You know, one of the things that you, you, I mean, honestly, you're, you're teaching from the pulpit and as a friend, uh, and everything in between, like, you know, all the many, many conversations we've had, man, I've been so blessed and so encouraged by you. Um, and when I was thinking of the concept for this podcast, um, I knew right away that I'd have you in. Yeah, I knew thanks. right away that we'd be here and we'd have multiple conversations together. Um, because I, I think one of the things when I think about you, um, Andrew, I think of a person who is uh, very well read, both with the Bible the ultimate bedrock truth, but also various books about the Bible and commentaries on the Bible and perspectives on, on, on the gospel. Um, and, uh, when I think of you, like I've always thought of you as a very shepherd like person, uh, you know? And so I think you're a natural fit for the topic of this, of, of the podcast today, which is, uh, generally speaking, I guess I'd say that if I had to put in a, in a, in a brief you know, soundbite, I'd say, you know, defiant dads, are shepherds, are protectors, yeah. Yeah. you know, of their flock. And um, that's not to say that all people are called to the pastorate, you know, right. uh, or even to vocational ministry of some sort, you know, or even like to be like a small group leader or something. You know, the Lord has different things in, in, in mind for everybody's life. You know, there are many parts to the body. Um, uh, but one thing I see in you and I've always seen in you is, is, is the role of protector and of shepherd, and I've always thought you've done that really faithfully. Um, yeah, so thanks. I wanted to, you know, encourage you in that first of all. You know, no matter where you go in life, I think that's always going to be the case, as long as I know you. Um, yeah. But then um, I wanted to have you come in and, and talk and ask you some questions about that. You know, because yeah. I think one of the as I think about our culture and where it's at right now. Um, you know, I took a couple episodes of this podcast, uh, two episodes ago of this podcast. I brought in Jeff, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Jameson, and uh, he spoke about the sin of self-preservation. And I think right. it kind of goes hand in hand with this, you know, the idea of, and, and my, my general hypothesis in, the, in this modern culture we live in is that um, 
it may sound kind of cliche, like godly men have abdicated their roles, their God-given roles as shepherds. Yes. Uh, both within their family and outside of their family, you know, mm-hmm. and their, within their circles of influence, they've yeah. abdicated these roles, and it has led to such uh, what was already obviously a sinful world. Like it seems even more so, and even proudly sinful. Yeah. Today, you know. Um, and yeah, we are in June, so the use of the word <laughs> proud. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't necessarily mean that, but yes, you're right. You're right. Um, where Where do you think within you, like when I again, I see this within you, like this the shepherd protector nature within where, where do you think that comes from? Um, I mean, if you could say beyond like, well, just how God may be. Sure. Know. Yeah. I mean, uh, part of that is absolutely true. Um, and then, um, I would say, uh, two things come to mind. One is an experience I had as a kid, uh, it's funny, I'm going to reference another movie that had a profound impact on me. Okay, um, uh, This one was in a really negative way. Uh, and I'm actually not going to name the movie because it was such a horrible movie. Okay. Um, but I watched a movie when I was in elementary school. So I was way too young to be watching this. Um, and it was essentially a movie about a guy who uh, raped and murdered women. Mm. And it was uh, scarring. Okay. And have very distinct memories of it. Yeah. And even still like, yeah. 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 And just thinking how horrible that was. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know why anybody wanted to make a movie like that, but, uh, and less why anybody would want to watch it, but I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, since then always felt like, um, I don't ever want to see something like that happen to somebody that I, know, love, care about. I want to help people mm-hmm. uh, protect against something like that. Yeah. And so that's, uh, yeah, been a significant piece that started when I was really young. Uh, and then uh, as I became a Christian and discovered, actually, that's not uh, just some accident that happened because I watched a movie. Mm-hmm. It's actually something built into God's design yeah. for us. Okay. Um, from the very beginning, God had that in mind that uh, we should be protectors. Hmm. Uh, he he s- gives Adam the charge in Genesis 2 to keep, right, hmm. to keep and work the garden. Hmm. Um, and in that idea of keeping the garden was you have to be wise enough and capable to protect the mm. garden because yeah. God's also just given him a wife. Yeah. Right. And Hey, you have something now to protect not just the garden, but you also have this woman that I've given you and Adam fails at that. Yeah. Right. The next yeah. thing we see is, uh, the serpent come into the garden and deceive Eve. She eats. And then it says she gives some to her husband who was with her. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they were there, there together. He yeah. wasn't out in the fields while she was doing this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He was there and didn't protect his wife. Mm. And look where we are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, yeah. here we are. So then uh, the one thing that always, you know, I'm sure this is a common refrain in many sermons on the topic on that passage, but uh-huh. one thing that always sticks out to my mind is I can't remember which preacher it was, if it was at City Church or somewhere else, but like someone said, God, this woman you gave me. Yeah. Like he was so quick to immediately, again, mm-hmm. abdicate his role in the wrongdoing. Yeah. Uh, and immediately throw her under the bus. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did it uh, uh, once 
uh, and just watching her be deceived. And then he does it again and trying to cast off the blame. Right. And so that's why, uh, even though she was deceived and she ate the fruit, we don't call it the sin of Eve. We call it the sin of Adam. Mm. Right. I mean, I never really realized that. Yeah. He's responsible. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's weighty, you know? Um, and I love that because it, it really does re it really does emphasize again, yet again, and just the first, you know, few passages of the Bible itself, like men are called to be the head of the household. They're yeah. called to be the spiritual leader, the protector, the shepherd, Yeah. you know, thus your wife's sin. Do you, do, let me ask you that. So that's actually the question that next comes to my mind as we, mm-hmm. as we discuss this, like, does my wife's sin or my children's sin, does that mm-hmm. fall on my shoulders, do you think, in, in, God, in the eyes of God? Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good question, and it's a question more men need to wrestle with. Uh, I would say you are not guilty mm-hmm. of your wife's sin, right. but you're responsible. Hmm. Right? You're responsible for what goes on in your home. What, what is that line? Like, what is, how, do you, how do you differentiate that? Um, so, uh, give an example maybe of, like, uh, what are... Uh, what are you letting your kids watch on TV? Mm-hmm. Right, your kids are brought up with a lot of perhaps uh, foolishness. They're mm-hmm. uh, spending their time on you know YouTube and social media and whatever else. Right, um, that has obvious downstream effects. Yeah, and uh, who's responsible for letting that kind of into your garden, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Right, not protecting the kids yeah. from that. Uh, and the same is true with with the wife right like mm. adam should have protected his wife yeah and if your wife is caught up in something that you don't give your attention to right that's that's a sin of yours yeah but then like you're not guilty of perhaps her sin that she's caught up in but you are responsible because you're not protecting her yeah you're not tending right? your flock yeah yeah that's interesting because i remember you know I, I i can remember like the when like 50 shades of gray yeah. Came out, you know, however many years ago that was. It seemed yep. like five, ten-ish years ago. I don't remember, but obviously I've never read it. But uh, in, rec- in recent, <laughs> in recent, thank you. Yeah, in recent, you know, cultural, uh, you know, in the recent culture, it came out, and uh, yeah. in recent years, it came out. And I remember, like, you know, seeing on Facebook and and wherever else, you know, like yep. never certainly no one-on-one discussions, but I remember seeing it posted online, like. I remember, excuse me, I remember seeing it posted online, uh, you know, oh, this book is great. Have you checked it out? And it's like from people who's like, who's like went to church with us, you yeah. know what I mean? Or like, yeah. or like people I knew from my college who were godly men who I would consider have godly wives and they're going on and on about this amazing book. And I'm, Absolutely. And I didn't really know what the book is about other than what I'd heard, but I knew that probably wasn't fruitful mm-hmm. uh, to be consumed. Yep. Uh, and so... Yeah, so that's so interesting because I think there's so many subtle sins, let's say, for lack of better words in my mind, that, that, that could creep into your family. Yeah. Uh, and so God just says, you've got to you've got to put a stop to that. Like, you've yeah. got... Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, agree. You, you need to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of men don't want to because they're actually so caught up in their own sins. Of course. And yeah, we all have they our don't, own sins. Right. Yeah. They don't want it to be a tit for tat thing, right? So like, right. oh, I'm going to call my wife out because I really don't think that's healthy for her. Yeah. And then what is she going to say back to me? But yeah. I don't want to give up that thing that she's going to say back to me because it's my little pet sin. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, that even you just don't want your pride to be hurt. Yeah. You know, like, uh, 
or which is a sin. <laughs> you know, something that I see, you know, maybe in, in my marriage is like, you know, she shouldn't be doing that, but I've got crap of my own that I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. For who now. am I to like, say, right? As long as it doesn't get worse, like, I don't want to cast the first stone, you know? Sure. You know, and we see, and we see right. the, in the enemy, Satan, you know, do things like that, uh, tempt us in that way, you know, yeah. where they'll take the truth of the scripture and he'll slightly twist it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, when instead what God wants you to do is to be like a good king or a good judge hmm. uh, who sees a problem mm-hmm. and doesn't turn a blind eye to it, hmm. but actually does the right thing to address it. Yeah. That's that's a mark of a real king. Interesting. You know? How do you... Okay, how do you be a real, like a good king in your family? Yeah. You know, with, without, you know... <clears throat> I want to love my children, and I want to love my wife, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to encourage them, and I want to build them up. Mm-hmm. I understand that those things don't always mean saying yes to everything. Love is not right. always saying yes. Right. I mean, the obvious example I think Jeff and I gave, you know, if my daughter's running down the hallway with scissors, yeah. I don't say yes. Yeah. You know, but then there are subtle sins, or mm-hmm. there are subtle or even big sins, like how how can I be, if you're saying we want to be like a good king? Yeah. How can I be like that in my family? Because when I think king, I think, <clears throat> I think a clear. I mean, there is a hierarchy, right? But I also right. think like in the negative sense. Like I immediately think. Yeah, you think tyrant. I think tyrant. Yes, yeah. thank you. That's the word I was going for. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus said that he does what he sees his father doing, right? And w- what does he see the father doing? He sees the father rescuing. Hmm. Sees the father full of grace, compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees the father protecting his beloved. Hmm. And so I would say you start there. Yeah. Uh, you, you look to Jesus and say, what does Jesus do? And <laughs> that's, that's the place any, any man needs to start Yeah, is, uh, am, am I following Jesus? If you're not uh, spending time uh, in the word, then you're not getting to know Jesus. Right. 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 Uh, if you're not spending time in prayer, you're showing that you're not actually reliant on Jesus. Mm. And so I would say mm. that's first step. Uh, and then, you, I mean, we're told we're to love our wives like Christ loved the church, right? He, he gave himself for her. He died for her. And so wh- what does that look like? He didn't give himself for her, uh, like you said, to say yes to everything. Right. Because there are plenty of things that we need to say no to. We need to renounce ungodliness. Yeah. And so if there is ungodliness that we are um, not paying attention to, uh, yeah. turning a blind eye to, then we actually have the responsibility to bring up those hard things, those things that are really not comfortable to talk about, but we're commanded to. And that makes us a better king. But it's also like, um, in in what way do we um, display our authority, right? Yeah. Jesus was obviously uh, plenty strong, right? He's, he's on the cross, and he could call down those 10,000 legions of angels, right? Right. But he doesn't do that. Yeah. And it's not because he didn't have the strength. It was because he knew how to wield his strength. Mm. And so mm. if, you're dealing, like that. Yeah, if you're dealing with something with your wife or your kids, uh, and your inclination is to be really f- like hard and harsh yeah. and speak in unkind, unloving ways to them, that's not what Jesus does. You may be right yeah. in recognizing that there's a problem, mm. uh, but then you also have to figure out... Uh, how am I supposed to? Uh, how am I supposed to treat them? How am I supposed to uh, respond to them uh, so that I'm also not the one like with the greater sin in this situation? Mm. Um, 
where, oh, you, uh, you hit your brother or you, um, you're getting fussy about uh, something instead of talking in an appropriate way. Yeah. And now I'm going to scream at you for it, right? Yeah. And that's that's so hard. Like <laughs> we've been, yeah, we've been teaching our kids. Uh, we do like a Bible verse every month, and uh, one that we focus on memorizing. Uh, and uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Right. What's the citation for? Uh, it's Ephesians four. Um, I don't remember the number, uh, but that's all right. <laughs> I remember the verse. I guess uh, somebody will correct. It's on I'm the card sure. at home. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um, and that's honest. I appreciate uh, that. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, um, we, uh, we were recently having a, um, uh, a rough day and my son said to me, daddy, you're letting corrupting talk come out of your mouth. <laughs> and I'm sorry for laughing. <laughs> no, I, I had, uh, you're, no, it's appropriate. Yeah. I, I had to pause and say, yeah. you know what, buddy, you're right. I am. And I'm sorry. Oh, man. And so... Oh, but how sweet is that? Absolutely. Oh, man. In the yeah. moment, that probably would make me even more angry. But the, to be honest... Yeah. But then... Yeah. Oh, but I'm reflecting on that, though, at the end of the day, after the kids are asleep, I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's like, real fruit. What, what were they calling life. me to? They were calling me to the king's law. <clears throat> yeah. Right? Yeah. Jesus was the calling one who... Calling the scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this... Uh, this is what God calls me to, and my kids were calling me back to it. Uh, and it's because we've taught them yeah. the law, right? Love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that, man. That's so beautiful. That's yeah. so beautiful. You know, several things come to mind as you share that story. Um, first of all, you invited me a month ago to the Psalm Sing Night. Yeah. Um, I don't know what group puts that on. I, uh-huh. I just noticed the Psalm Sing Night. Yeah. Uh, here in Fort Worth. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to know about this, please go on my website, defiantdad.com. There's a message link at the bottom of the homepage. Should be a message. I'll be happy to connect you with the details here. But Andrew, you invited me to this psalm sing. And one of the psalms, or one of the this psalms and a few hymns and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, one of the hymns we sang, while musically it was not my favorite, <laughs> um, uh, the words of this song were called To the Word We Go. Yeah. It was a sea shanty. Yep. I'm not kidding. Yep. Uh, you know very well, because it seems like... my That was my first attendance, you know, so I, I assume that that song is sung frequently, because everybody seemed to know that one very clearly. Uh, and it, of all the songs we sang that night, it's the only one I still remember that we yeah. sang that night. Um, and the words are so true, you know, to yeah. the word... The, the, the refrain over and over is, to the word, to the word we go. Yeah. And... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, and amen. And like, as I've thought about creating this podcast, you know, uh, I've been a believer since 1999. Mm-hmm. The word has always meant something to me. Yeah. That seems very shallow because maybe it hasn't meant enough to me always. Sure. And even still it doesn't, you know, but like, I feel like in this season, as I have started this podcast and I've really wanted to speak out against culture, how can I speak out against this culture we live in, except with the sword, with the word yeah. of God? Absolutely. The double-edged sword, you know, because all other weapons we may try to use against it to try to push back are going to fall short. And whether that means we're pushing against the culture on the outside of the walls of our house or within our walls or even within our own heart. Um, And so what you said there was so, so true. And, and, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, I bet, is not going to be like, oh, I've never thought of that before. Like, they've probably heard, you know, I bet most of the listeners to this podcast are Christians, Mm -hmm. or at least cultural Christians, you know, who have spent time in church and they've heard, yes, I need to spend more time in the Bible. And like, that's not my intention. It's really to point out how truly useful the Bible is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, people 
would say, oh, the Bible is sentimental. It's what I grew up listening to. These, so these stories warm my heart. And yes, but also these stories are bedrock truth. Yeah. We don't have to invent new theologies. We don't have to come up with new systems for living. We don't yeah. have to... Um, it is the only rule for faith and practice. Right? Yeah. So, Bingo. Uh, yeah, we, we can't uh, live by anything else. And Scripture says that like everybody knows God, and they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Mm. So mm. W what should we use like, but God's Word to combat that? Yeah. Right? And so that's... Amen. Yeah. Like, we, we don't have an alternative. If we want to uh, get away from the Word of God... Like, we actually end up abandoning our foundation for life and reason for our entire worldview. Our worldview falls apart if we don't have the Word of God. Mm. Yeah. Amen. It brings tears to my eyes. Think about it. Because you think of something I think I said in the, in the very first episode of this podcast, the monologue I did. Mm -hmm. You know, Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Yeah. And so, as a believer, yes. But then you got to think about, what if you're not a believer? Mm-hmm. You are a person stumbling around in the darkness. Absolutely. Completely yeah. in the darkness. Uh, and so the Word is absolutely the starting point for, for all improvement in our life. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you can't know anything. Yeah, yeah you know, and I've grown, growing up in the church, you know, I started going to church in sixth grade, seventh, no, seventh grade, mm -hmm. and came to know the Lord shortly after we first started attending. And, yeah. Uh, I've heard that verse over and over and over and over and over. And you think, yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. But then like, as I've had kids, uh, all the cliches they say about Christian parenting are true. Every one of them, I think are, are true. You know, like, especially the ones pertaining to uh, raising your kids and seeing how sinful you are. <laughs> you yeah. know, your kids sins, uh -huh. their struggles, their shortcomings are, mirrors of you mm -hmm. and you are a greater because you know like maybe a little of you has rubbed off on them and you see the 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 speck in them yeah and you're the whole tree yeah. <laughs> you know what are they learning from me yes right? there's a lot of good of course of course right um but they're gonna pick up my faults too yeah yeah, yeah. and so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so like as culture has changed so much like uh, just in the last five years let's say like yep. wildly uh, you know, I would never say that like the word was never, since I've been a believer, I don't think the word has ever not been primary, mm -hmm. the primary text in my life. Yeah. Um, but its importance has been magnified deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in the last three or four years. Yeah. You know, partly because I have kids, Sure. partly because culture and the world around us has changed so much. Um, and in a world where so many things are just flashes in the pan, hmm. so many things are just dust in the wind, you know, fads, they come and go. Right. It's amazing to me, mind-blowing to me, that the Word of God stands firm. Yeah. It's unchanging, you know. Yes. Uh, in the beginning, the Word was God, you know, like John, you know, in the beginning of John. Right. And like... And that uh, and I say that because that mirrors who God is. Yeah. He is unchanging. Yeah. You know? And so as I think of like, oh, well, what's acceptable to say and do now? What was acceptable five or years ago? What was acceptable 
you know, whatever years ago and this season and what's that. Yeah. That's scary. You know, life changes and like, you know, there's that bit. I don't know if you watch The Simpsons at all, but like I, it's no. my mom would say it's tacky, sure. uh, but I love The Simpsons and have for a long time. And there's this long running bit in there where like, you know, what was cool. You know, I used to be cool. It's like an old man talking. He's like, huh. I used to be cool, you know, like you. And then what was cool changed. Right. You know, and that's scary to me and it'll happen to you. And it's so true. It's like an existential, like, man, yeah. lot, time goes on. But the thing that stands firm forever is the bedrock truth of God. Yes. You know, in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and so how great is that then as protector and shepherd to teach that to your kids? Yeah, that's right. So uh, the scripture says Jesus is the right, chief cornerstone of the foundation, right? And the foundation is also built on the apostles and prophets. Christ is the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. So um, if that's what you're built upon, it doesn't shift. It doesn't move. Amen. It it remains forever. You're the man who built his house upon. Right. He built rock. his house upon the sand. He's a fool. Yeah. Right. If you don't. But, yeah. Yeah. But if you build your house on the, the on rock, rock, it abides. Hmm. Yeah. So culture can change and they can, uh, you know, hurl all kinds of insults and whatever else at you. Yeah. But if you are firm in Christ, uh, if you know uh, what your king has said and you know he has the authority to back it up, because he rose from the dead, mm-hmm. then you don't really have to be afraid of the shifting sands of culture. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's something Jeff and I talked about, you know, um, one day every knee right. will bow. Yes. Every knee, even those who, who don't worship him, mm-hmm. every knee will bow. Um, and that's mind blowing. That's mind blowing to think about when you really stop and think about it. Again, it's something you've heard hundreds of times. Songs have been written about it, poems, et cetera. Like yes. that's not a new phrase to any even a young believer, but like you probably stop and think about it, you know? So we, as we, as protectors and as shepherds of our flock, we mm-hmm. don't have to, we will fear probably in our flesh, sure. but we don't have to because yeah. we know how the story turns out. Yeah. Well, and so like, what, what is it? Um, what's the role of a good protector? Well, uh, a good shepherd, it's to encourage people uh, to kneel in glad surrender. Mm. Right. So are you doing that, right? Um, are, are you worshiping the Lord uh, and obeying what he says? Yeah. Are you doing that in your home? Are you teaching that to your kids? Are you uh, leading your wife in that? Uh, if so, praise God. Um, uh, see what else he's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. The, the responsibility for, for pastors is you don't get to do... a you don't, you don't get to uh, be a shepherd of God's flock until you can do that for your own. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I but can, eventually, like, he wants, he wants men to do that. He, he, he raises up pastors uh, because he wants shepherds for his flock. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. And, and what, what then, being a little more practical, uh-huh. you know, when, you, when I think of being a protector, yeah. um, how does that... I wrote down the question earlier when I sent you some notes and I, I, I liked how I worded it on here. Like, uh, sorry, I'm trying to get off my, off the tip of my tongue here. Like when you think of the role as protector uh-huh. where the rubber meets the road, yeah. you know, I think of protector, like I think physically like, okay, right. I lock, 
the doors of my house at night. Good. You know, I make sure that my children aren't being pursued by strange people. Sure. You know, I make sure that strange men aren't hitting on my wife. Right. Uh, I make sure we had this, we had this happened last night. Actually, I got a call at one thirty in the morning. My wife was coming home from the hospital where mm-hmm. she works. She had a flat tire. I was asleep in bed, laying in bed next to my two year old yeah. who had come into bed and climbed in bed with me. Yeah. And she said, Hey, Andrew, um, I have a flat tire. I bumped the curb on a turn and I need you to come change the tire. It's one thirty in the morning. And I'm like, are you close enough to drive home? No. Okay. Well, we can't just leave it there. I got to come get you. And so I threw the kids in the car Yep. and I went and changed <laughs> a flat at one thirty, one forty-five in the morning. Why? Yeah. After I heard while my wife was petrified, we, as soon as I showed up, she switched cars with me and sat there watching, you know, with yeah. pepper spray in hand yeah. as a gas at a gas station at one forty-five in the morning. It took me about 20 minutes to change it. And, you know, so I think of like the role as protector, mm-hmm. so just I should, I don't know if irony is the right word. Maybe it's just <laughs> God providing a real opportunity to learn what it means to be a protector last night as we get ready to speak about this. Yeah. Um, I think of physical protection. Yes. I think of leading your family well. What other um, practical roles do you have as protector? Like, how, how what are the, you know, yeah. what are, what are the, the, the outflows of that, I guess? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, all we kind of said so far was like, what's, what's the first thing? The first thing is, are, are you obedient to the word of God? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, th- that's, that's the first thing. Uh, but then uh, I think you're right on the physical protection. Good job going and changing the tire. That thank was the you. right thing to do. I mean, it was obvious, um, but thank you. <laughs> sure. But I mean, you, well, <laughs> In the moment. You, you could have said, hey, call, you know, uh, call AAA, AAA or, or something, right? Who knows how long it takes for them to get there. But uh, you did the unpleasant thing, which was put the kids in the car at that hour of the night yeah. and go do it. Yeah. Because your wife is worth Props it. Props to my kids, by the way. They had yeah. that like <laughs> champs. They were both so excited to go see mommy <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the night. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but so uh, I think um, provision is part of uh, protection, mm. right? So like, that's interesting. Um, are, are you providing for your family uh, in a way that enables them to thrive? Hmm. Okay. And you don't have to provide um, some huge income. Right. Right. Yeah. But are they taken care of? Do they have shelter? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they have food? Right. Mm-hmm. Do they feel uh, like their needs are met? Yeah. Do, and, yeah. Do they feel your fatherly love and care for them? Right. Yeah. Um, Because you're mirroring God the Father. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And his role as provider. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think physical protection is a a big deal, and men need to know how to physically protect uh, their families. Mm. So you don't have to be a martial arts expert, right? Right. Uh, If you are, that's cool. Yeah. Um, But have some way of protecting your family. Um, Be competent in that. Yeah. Not just so, to hope. <laughs> yeah. Ab- yeah. Don't, um, you know, we, we said earlier, like Jesus knew um, uh, he, he was strong. He could protect uh, his bride and he did by dying for her. Could he have been again on the cross and called down the legions of angels? Yes, he could. Yeah. But he knew how to use his strength. Uh, men need to know how to do the same thing. So mm. men need to be strong and they need to know how to use their strength. Yeah. It is not a virtue to be weak. Yeah. We think of 
meekness and we associate that with like um, the kind of puny scrawny guy or something like, oh, he's so meek. Like that's not what meekness is, Hmm. right? Uh, Being strong like Jesus and knowing how to use that strength when to lay it aside, that's that's meekness. Mm. And so, yeah, I think you need to... I like the wisdom in that. Thanks. Yeah, I I think you need to know how to protect. Uh, And so uh, I am a fan uh, and believer that men should own firearms. Yeah. Uh, and their, their wives should uh, know how to use them. Yeah. Like we teach our kids, these are not things that you want to be afraid of. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's not helpful to be afraid of them. No. Uh, what you need to know is how to be competent with them and when is the right time to use them and when is it not the right time to use them. Yeah. And so, uh, I, yeah, I think it's a really important thing for for men to know how to do in a country like ours where we are free to do that. And yeah. we should be free to do that. Let me yeah. say that too. And I think it's, and, and I think it's a blessing that we are able to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Um, you know, but I, I had a, a Christian guy tell me at one point, um, uh, that if his wife were being, uh, raped by some home intruder, hmm. he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't shoot that person. Right. Oh my goodness. He, he would. Yeah. He would never have a firearm because he couldn't do that, even in that kind of circumstance. It's to me. Unbelievable. And so my thought was, uh, that's cowardice. Right. You are right. a traitor to your call as a husband. Yeah. And yeah, repentance is needed there. Uh, hmm. We need to be ready to protect our wives, our yeah. kids. Yeah. And uh, I think the same is true uh, beyond that as well, like community. Like, um, how, how are our churches, like, prepared? Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, like, I used to run the uh, kind of security team yeah. um, at City Church. Yeah. And we had a gal who wanted to be a part of it, hmm. right? She was a um, very independent mm-hmm. uh, gal, strong, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and she carried a firearm, mm-hmm. and she wanted to be on the team. Mm-hmm. I told her no, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's not because uh, I don't value her, right? Uh, because, oh, you're so, like, uh, weak or whatever, right? <laughs> right? No, I didn't believe that. It's actually because I believe she was so valuable, mm-hmm. okay? It mm-hmm. wasn't her role to do that, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's not a wife's role to uh, be the one to step in and protect her husband. It's not uh, a woman's role to uh, be on the front lines in a battle. Yeah. It's not. Uh, the men are sent in to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, because we believe we have something worth protecting. Like Eve, um, uh, actually, I think uh, Chris may have talked about this in the sermon recently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Adam was created as the... Uh, you know, image of the uh, crowning glory of God's creation, right? Uh, and then on top of that, he creates Eve. He creates a glory out of the glory. Mm. He creates the glory mm-hmm. of glories. Mm. It's a superlative glory, yeah. right? Yeah. And so she was not less than because she was created out of Adam, mm-hmm. right? She became mm-hmm. more. Mm. And so she was worth his protection and he failed, mm. right? My mm. wife is worth my protection mm. worth me stepping in and laying my life down for her. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, as a man, I mean, I think it's beautiful, you yeah. know, like you hear that and I don't, I don't understand how you could hear that in full, you know, if you really stop and listen to those words mm-hmm. and contemplate what it means, I don't see 
a sense of domineering or uh, misogyny or no. And my wife that. feels free, right? She mm. loves it. Yeah. Right. Cause it's not something she has to, to spend her time worrying about. Yeah. The safety of, yeah. Yeah. No, she feels very confident and secure. Yeah. Now, and part of that, of thing. course, is you helping you encouraging her to be alert sure. to obvious things, you yeah, know, yeah. and to at least be functionally aware of how, say, a firearm works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Yeah. Yeah, she needs to know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My kids need to know that, um, but they're they're young, right? They're young, so they've yeah. um, uh, one of them has kind of started to to learn. Yeah. And yeah, at appropriate age. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So then you actually kind of touched on one of the next questions I have then. Like where where does the line, where is the line then for men and their calling to be protectors, Christian men? Is there a line? Is there, is there a place where their protective nature has a boundary, has a border, you know? Like sure. th- does it stop just with our family unit? Does it stop just with our church? Does it stop just with uh, everybody in our circle of influence, say, or, you know? Yeah. Um, is it prescribed or is it just, you know, is there grace in this? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I guess a couple of thoughts. One, one thing that I um, mentioned uh, earlier that didn't just talk about a minute ago when we we're thinking about uh, what's included in protection is, again, uh, what's our family consuming? Oh right. yeah. So that that's that's another yeah, you did touch on that, but go important on. one. Yeah. Right. Um uh Disney has an agenda. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and I assume everybody does. Yeah, at this and, point. and that's a wise assumption. Yeah. Um everybody has an agenda. So what are we giving our kids free access to? Mm-hmm. What are we kind of allowing for ourselves to have free access to? That's um maybe not uh, outright sinful, like you're not, you know, watching porn, but like, mm-hmm. uh, but what you're doing is an unwise use of time and it's modeling something for your kids it's because they see edifying. you on your phone all the time, right? Mm. Um, That's a lot more subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're consuming something when you're doing that and your kids are watching that as a pattern. Yeah. It's a really hard it one. It scares me too, the phones, you know, because yeah. we didn't have that. Right. You know, we're both in our 30s. So like, yeah. we didn't have that. You know, we had, I didn't have my first phone till seventh or eighth grade. And even then I could only use it like to call my mom after football practice. Mm-hmm. You know, my first phone with the internet didn't even have till college, like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so like, boy, like how would my life be different? I, I can't say like, how would my life be different if I had seen my mom or my dad staring and holding onto a phone all day? Yeah. Yeah. We... You know, and there's times where like, I think it's okay. Like, I'm not just saying like everybody go out and throw other phones away and get a landline. Right. Right. Phones are useful. Absolutely. They have tools. I mean, yes. if my wife didn't have a phone, I don't know what she would have. She would have had to go into the gas station at 2 a.m. last night to right. try to call me and try to bum a, a call from someone. Right. You know, right. in her scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so there's certainly a use for them. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Your point. Now, it's funny. I've noticed, you know, my, my role as a musician, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I say I, I, I don't say that I'm a stay-at-home dad. You know, because I work, I do right. work. It's just that I work at night. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a musician. You know, and I'm a podcaster doing podcasts at nine o'clock yes. at night. And um, because of that, I get a lot of time with my kids. And I've noticed my kids, the days with my kids go so much better when the phone is on the bookshelf. Mm. You know, on the countertop, it's there if I need it. You know, I can check in once every couple hours, see if I missed a phone call, or oh, I, hey, I need, 
I need to order groceries real fast. You know, we, we're big believers in Instacart and stuff, sure. but, yeah. you know, things like that. And, but like, if I'm just carrying around with me and every time the kids sit down and play their Legos, if I pull my phone out and start reading while they're playing Legos, right. if I'm doing that all day, then the end of the day is a train wreck. Yeah. Well, you're encouraging detachment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not time for them to be detached from you. Yeah. And in days where my phone has been only a tool rather than um, a pacifier for me, uh, then those days are great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Like, what else are you consuming? Yeah. You know, and I think there's an element in that too that, that I was wanting to discuss with you is like emotional protection. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, how can you emotionally protect your kids? You know? And I think part of that, Maybe, uh, you know, feel free to disagree with me here, but I think part of that may be as well, um, part of something that may work into that as well is uh, picking a time and place to have an argument with your with your wife. Sure. You know, uh, not every time and not every place yes. is appropriate because you want to emotionally protect your children who do not understand what's going on. Right. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of other ways, but that's something that comes yeah. to mind yeah. immediately. Yeah, you know, even if you know something really needs to be dealt with, like hey, let's go to the other room, or let's let's yeah. talk about this another time. Yeah, you know? that that is important when uh, your your kids are displaying a kind of a flash of emotion, right? Or they're having a temper tantrum, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you protect them in that situation? Is it by giving in mm-hmm. to that emotion mm-hmm. and? teaching them that, oh, I get what I want when I do this. Yeah. Or is it, hmm, that's not how we talk. And yeah. uh, I, I need to correct you. And then we're going to try again. Yeah. And you staying calm and also not having like an extreme emotional response then either. Yeah. Uh, that actually works to protect them. You're teaching them how uh, things are to work in an ordered kind of world and society, even the society of your home, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You protect your wife emotionally as well um women are more emotional than men Mm -hmm. and so uh can they make a huge swing um kind of more easily yeah often they can so how do you help maybe bring them down like uh something happened and you need to be the kind of steady presence to say okay hold up like We've got stuff going on right now in our family that's that's pretty tough. Yeah. And um, one of the things I keep going back to is we need to give thanks even for the trials. Mm. And, like, we could sit here and complain about them, and they're really hard. Um, and we can certainly cry out to God for help because they're hard. Yeah, uh, but one of the things they're hard. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we need to do is we need to give thanks for the trials because this isn't happening to us by accident. Hmm. Um, God is doing something, and he's using these trials to shape us and to grow us more like Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's another way that I think s- strong, protective men can help yeah. uh, help their wives emotionally. So just pivoting just a little bit here, yeah. where, when it comes to raising kids— how do you walk the line between uh, shepherding them, mm-hmm. you know, and protecting them and letting them grow in their independence? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this kind of gets a little bit to like the question of, is there a line? Right. Right. So um, I, I don't know that I could say there is a... Um, there may not be a prescription. Yeah. 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 A, cl- a real clear line when it comes to the house. Um, but what's it's trying to be wise and discern what is what what is it that my child needs right now so 
we want to uh, protect our kids, which is a very good thing to do. And obviously, we can be too protective. Yeah. Right. And sometimes they need to fall down and they need to get bumps and bruises uh, because those things will teach them also. And so, like, for instance, um, one of our kids was wanting to ride their scooter outside and we told them, put some shoes on. Yeah. And they didn't want to. And they were insistent that they didn't want to put shoes on. Mm. And so rather than fight them on it, um, you know, get angry with them. So like, okay, that's Mm. fine. Yeah. And they had to go and figure it out for themselves. And I remember talking to Whitley and saying, like, you know, if they uh, trip, they're going to get hurt. Uh, Or if the ground's really hot, that's going to hurt. Or if they just scrape up their feet, they're going to learn something. And they're going to learn next time I should put my shoes on. Uh, And hopefully they'll also learn next time I should listen to mom and dad. There's a calculated risk. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing. We need to let them have some calculated risks. Yeah, absolutely. Like you would have certainly not let let them do that if like... They wanted to play barefoot uh, in the street where there's broken glass, obviously. Right. But, you know, in the, in the patio, on the back driveway, you've right. got like, you know, hey, I know this is just rocks and concrete. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. Go out and you know what? Maybe nothing happens and maybe they just toughen up, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. get good calluses on their feet. Of course. And then they're, yeah. Yeah. Be like we were when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, that yeah. Well, I appreciate that insight. Um and there's obviously certain obvious lines, like you would never, you know, uh, let your kid run with scissors again, you know, or things like that, where it's like, well, you know, you might got to learn, you know, because... Yeah, right. You know. You're not going to um, uh, put them in a harmful uh, situation where they're in some kind of like mortal danger, right? But mm-hmm. um, is it important uh, that, um, like my oldest, he, he got a... He got a BB gun for his birthday. Sweet. Red Rider, huh? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, uh, Is there a risk? Well, certainly we remember from the movie, right? You'll You'll shoot shoot your your eye out. out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, there's totally a risk. We're sisters. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, But uh, we're going to do this in a, uh, I think, a really good way where we're teaching him uh, how, how do we handle this? How do we... Uh, when is the right time to use your BB gun? When is not? Right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have just like free access to it whenever he wants. Yeah. Um, this is something we're going to do together until I am confident that he knows what he's doing and yeah. he can be trusted with it. But yeah. he can't be yet because he just got it. This is new, right? Yeah. It's he's st- it's still in the toy phase for him, right? Uh, not the tool phase. Yeah. And um, men like will we'll go buy a tool and. Uh, it starts out a little bit in the toy phase because we're really excited that we got the tool and we want to use it now, mm-hmm. right? But eventually you don't go carrying a hammer around in your pocket everywhere you go, right? <laughs> like you put the tool away, you know yeah. when it's the right time to use it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, plus you get the added benefit too in the BB gun example of quality time mm-hmm. with your son. Yes. Uh, but you also get the benefit of instructing him. Uh-huh. You know, it's a double benefit there. Yeah. Uh, and, and even giving him little tastes of what it's like to be protective, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like that. Definitely. I like that a lot. I think. Yeah. I mean, we set up the target, uh, and he was so excited when he heard it ding that he was ready to go run and look at it and see where he got it. Uh, <laughs> to call him, Hey, wait a minute, buddy. Like, look, look, look where the gun's pointed. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just go, you know, Stop. running down there, like put the safety on, mm-hmm. like be very aware of what you're running, running into in front that gun's of. Pointing. Yeah. Always. So, stuff like that. Yeah, it's like they teach in class. Don't point the gun at anything you don't intend to destroy. That's right. Right. Um, well, uh, I've got one more, more serious question for you and then we'll get into some funny stuff okay. to, to end up. Thank you for spending so much time with me this evening. Yeah, man. It's gladly. always, it's always been fun. a great time hanging out. Um, what would you say to a man who sees his older children uh, straying from a godly path in life? You know, there may be listeners of this podcast who say they've got teenagers or 15-year-olds or 25-year-olds, you know, yeah. or, or more, you know, and they, they say they feel like they've done as much as they can raising their kids yeah. to be godly people. Uh, and it's just not... That's just not the result of their parenting. Yeah. For lack of better words, like, what do you, what, what yeah. Would you say? Yeah, certainly it's hard. Um, uh, I guess my first thought is uh, get your house in order. Hmm. Um, and if you've got uh, a kid who's still in your house mm-hmm. that you're watching walk in a, you know, ungodly, unrighteous direction, uh, Okay, what's what's happening? Yeah. Um, why are they doing that? Or what, what are, are you doing something uh, that is making space for that? That's encouraging that, mm. right? Are you not taking things seriously enough? Because what's on the line is your child's eternity. Yeah. And if you know the greatest thing is on the line. Yeah. 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 So uh, if if they're caught up in. Um, you know, you've, you've provided for them a smartphone and they're not mature enough to know how to use it and they're using it for wicked things. Yeah. Okay. Then acknowledge that that was your mistake. Yeah. Right. And apologize to them too Hmm. and get rid of the phone. Right. And Mm -hmm. it it may not be something like that. Right. But just as an example. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. As an example. So get your house in order. Um, what are you encouraging? What are you, um, kind of allowing for that you, Ought not, in which case you need to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is not me saying that every uh, sin you are guilty of, mm-hmm. but again, we're responsible for what happens in our homes. Mm-hmm. So uh, get your house in order. Um, make sure make sure that's happening. Um, if this is a child who's not in your house anymore, right? They've they're they're an adult. They've gone yeah. off to uh, to they, they live in another house now. Yeah. Um, then it is I would say uh, what you need to be doing is being on your knees in prayer. Mm. That's God. Uh, God saves people at, uh, you know, kind of crazy times, crazy ways. Like yeah. uh, we've got friends who are saved on uh, bad drug trips. And, yeah. uh, and so God can do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been uh, reading with the, uh, the kids, um, the horse and his boy. Mm. And there was uh, a part that we read just recently um, where uh, Aslan turns out he, he was the lion that was chasing uh, the kids uh, in the story. And he scratches one of them across the back Mm. and he tells, uh, he tells Erebus who he scratched. uh, I Mm -hmm. did that because you did that to the girl in your mother's house who uh, you gave this like sleeping uh, tonic to. And so they didn't see you leave Hmm. and they got beat for it. And so I was going to teach you a lesson and 
then she asks Aslan, well, what, what happened What happened to the girl? Did anything worse happen to her? And Aslan tells her that, I'm not going to tell you somebody else's story. You only get to know your story. But the point was, hey, this was to teach and shape you. Mm-hmm. And the thing that happened to uh, the girl uh, back home, uh, that was actually used to, to teach and shape her as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, God will use things uh, in ways we don't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one pastor I'm fond of, he'll say, that, you know, God will draw straight with crooked lines. Mm. Uh, we provide all sorts of crooked lines, and God uses them to draw straight, uh, yeah. to draw like glorious pictures. And yeah. so be in prayer for your adult kids, uh, even if obviously they're not walking in wayward directions. Like just yeah. be in prayer, in prayer for your kids. Um, and you continue to... Uh, uh, to love your kids, yeah. um, uh, but you know, getting your house in order might mean uh, asking, wh- "What does my child need right now? Uh, does my child need um, uh, tenderness from me, or do they need firmness from me? Uh, are they wanting me to give approval to their sin? In which case, I can't do that. Yeah, I need to continue to call them to repent." Yeah. Right. God is not unloving for doing that. Jesus was not unloving for doing that. Though people accuse us of being unloving for not wanting to applaud sin, like, we have to be still ready to call our kids to mm-hmm. repent. Mm-hmm. And I, I think of almost, uh, well, not almost, I think of the, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah, You absolutely. know, I think there's hope in that for parents who have kids who are older. Yes. You know, because the prodigal son was older, obviously. Yes. He wasn't just a boy. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've always, I've always, it wasn't until I had kids, I guess, that I saw the angle, that story from the, from the father's angle. Yeah. There's a question as to whether or not, um, Esau was saved. Hmm. Um, it's common to think that he wasn't, but I think maybe there's a reason to think he was. And probably a big part of that, uh, was his mother's faithful prayer. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Rebecca was a faithful woman. She also kind of gets a bad, bad rap, but hmm. uh, I think she was a faithful woman. And uh, in the end, we see uh, Jacob and Esau restored to each other. Mm. Um, hmm. so. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what does the word defiant mean to you? Well, so I think it. Uh, it's funny. I uh, told Whitley the name of the podcast, and she was like, "Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that." Uh, but actually, uh, I like the word. <laughs> um, uh, I think it is our Christian responsibility to be defiant to what is uh, unrighteous and yeah. ungodly, to insist on what is good and right and true, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, in a culture like ours that does want to uh, encourage and uh, celebrate uh, ungodliness in a variety of forms and uh, is antagonistic to righteousness, uh, then, yeah, we need to be rightly defiant. We need to say uh, no when the magistrate is saying uh, you you must do such and such, you must yeah. applaud sexual perversion. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is no business of yours if people are murdering children, yeah. right, or castrating them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is, because uh, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth yeah. is mine. Yeah, or when, you know, the, the king says to Daniel, you should pray to me only. Yeah, you know, that's right. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Yeah. And Daniel doesn't uh, uh, sugarcoat it, right? He, he 
just doesn't doesn't just obey, does. right? Yeah. He defies the order, uh, and and what ends up happening? Okay, well, he gets thrown into the, the lion's den, and the result is afterward they realize, oh, your God is the true God. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. It's and it's funny how I was just reading through that story in the kids the Jesus Storybook Bible with my kids the other night, and yeah. when I was a kid hearing that story, I'm like, no person these days would ever say pray to me only. That's crazy. Yeah. But now in 2023, <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. Yes. Um, well, cool, man. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming in. I want to ask you uh, a few uh, fun questions I like to ask all my guests. Okay. Uh, first, just so the, the listeners can get to know you a little better, and me as well. Yeah. Uh, what is a book um, that has shaped your theology, your walk with God, uh, that's not the Bible? Yeah. Um uh, and I know there's a lot for you because sure, you're very well, well read. Um, I'll, I'll give you uh, two, uh, well, one author, one book. Hmm. Um, one helpful book is Doug Wilson's Heaven Misplaced. Okay. I think is a really good one. Mm-hmm. It is a, uh, it's a short book, but hmm. it'll give you a really kind of cool, helpful understanding of what's our purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean that Jesus is king? Okay. Right. Uh, is he king in just some like um, far off heavenly sense, hmm. or is he actually king of the world now? And if he's king of the world now, what does it mean for us, and what does it mean for culture when it comes to obeying the king of the world? Mm. So that's a really good one. Yeah, I like uh, that. and it, like I said, it's short. It's an easy one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, really good. And then uh, probably pretty much anything by by C.S. Lewis. Right. I just yeah. I love C.S. Lewis a ton. Um, he helps me. Uh, uh, remember uh, that we live in a magical world, hmm. right? We live in a world where water falls down from the sky and where <laughs> food pops up from the ground, yeah, right? Where, um, yeah. where we're we're babies, right? Yeah, <laughs> come come from people and like yeah. you know, and it's the result of like uh, this great pleasurable thing and like everything is just uh, structured in such a way yeah. um, that you can't help but look at it and think this is. This is a miraculous place. He has the ability to spur wonder. Yes. Within. Yeah. I love that about him, about his writing. Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, um, what uh, is a controversial opinion you have about food or a food dish or something along okay. those lines? Um, Everybody's got something. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I gave you two answers for the first question. I'm going to give you three for this oh one. Oh, my. Okay. Um, yeah. There are three. Uh, foods or ingredients that I hate. Okay, lay mommy. Okay, um, I hate almond extract. Almond extract. We've talked about this before. Uh, yeah, and so, I'm not sure if I even could taste almond extract. And people put it in everything they want to bake for some reason, and I just hate it. If I taste almond extract in what I'm eating, I throw it out. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, can't stand. When it. is there like a common dish that you find almond? You said baking. Like I think of like Christmas cookies or something. Um, or like... People put in cookies, yes, uh, and cakes. Cookies yeah. and cakes, interesting, yep. like a like a just a plain vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I have not attuned. I don't think I could pick out the flavor, but okay, I, uh, I'll, I'll pay attention. Yep. Um, Is there anything store bought that like you notice almond extract in? Like, oh, I can't eat no. Oreos or I can't eat Twinkies no. or something because it's got that real <laughs> strong almond extract flavor. No, no, nothing like that. I want to like go by and see, like, oh, that's the <laughs> um, flavor. Okay, uh, J Rays. Uh huh. Um, they use a lot of almond extract. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. 
yeah, Marv will take the kids and go get them a cookie or cupcake, and I do not want anything from there. I'll pass. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to the company, but it's no, just of course not. My not. Flavor. Like yeah. the, there's a reason she takes them to get them because they like them. I, Absolutely. It's just yeah. Not for me. Yeah. Um, let's see. So that would be one. Another is coconut. I like the flavor of coconut. Uh-huh. I do not like the texture. So if you put coconut in something, mm, I don't like it. You don't like that fleshy, like nope. firm yet squishy yeah. texture of it's, coconut. It's, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, the fibrousness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just changes it. the texture too much. And then the last one's raisins. I really raisins. don't like raisins. Mm. Yeah, all three of those I've never liked since I was a kid. Mike, yeah, the, that would, the raisins would not stand in this family. We're big raisin yeah. consumers. Oatmeal, chocolate covered, everything in between. Yeah, you just yeah, <laughs> mess up a good thing with raisins. <laughs> no, no raisins. Okay, well, I'll leave those out of your gift basket. There you go. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put you into a fight to the death. Great. Uh, you're going to be barehanded. Fight to the death. No weapons, no tools. Uh, you're going to be confined. And if you win this fight, you're going to have great fame and fortune, okay. which I know you care deeply about these things. <laughs> um, however, you have to choose your opponent. Yeah. Do you want to fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Um, I'm going to go with one horse-sized duck. Okay. Uh, if you've ever taken your kids to the duck pond okay um it is not uncommon to be chased by the ducks <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking of the duck pond in fort worth like over off seventh street yes, yes. exactly yeah there's yeah. like a hundred ducks over there they like might not, have the opportunity not even a hundred so i can think of times <laughs> we've gone and we've had to keep, like we keep moving because like just a handful of ducks is just insistent that they are going to have our space and they're going to chase us oh yeah uh and <laughs> It's kind of amusing, and it's also uh, really weird, and the kids get freaked out. But uh, so think of uh, that in terms of a hundred, like a hundred, but uh, make them faster because they're horses uh, and uh, stronger uh, with the kick of their legs or something. That's what I worry uh, about with with the kick. Like, yeah. what if I fall? Yeah. What if I fall? Right. Their mouths know? might be small, but imagine like getting bit up by that. I mean, they, still got, they still got hooves. Yeah. And I yeah. and sadly I've read too many stories about just like even like packs of like younger kids, middle school age kids who can <laughs> still beat somebody to death, which is well, yeah. kind of you know, it's morbid. But like <laughs> I'm thinking of a hundred little horses. Do you remember do you remember when you were in like high high school? You remember this like this you know, like an e-bombs world or something way back in the day. Does that, does that sure. you know yeah, that yeah. site? Yeah. It used to be just where memes, it was like where memes were like born was yes. on that website. And there was that thing that was like a, it wasn't even a meme. It was like a, a flash website or something like that. And it was like, how many kids could you take or something yeah. like that? And you put in your height and your weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever done that, but I've been asked the question and it's kind of like, a, how many duck sized horses could you take? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you'd uh, rather have the one. I'd, I'd rather have the one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just, just my only concern with the one it. is always are their feathers proportionally stronger and larger? Yeah, you know, because if, if their feathers are like palm fronds at that size, then I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, they may not be soft <laughs> and downy, they may be quite rugged. Yeah. Well, you know, but I think of like their, their feet. They got these like big webbed feet. Uh huh. Um, Pretty clumsy, probably, in a battle. Yeah, fairly clumsy. And it's not like they've got these like crazy sharp talons or something, right? Yeah. It's not a hawk. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what I would do to this uh, <laughs> yeah. horse-sized duck. Um, I'm just but, imagining like you riding on the back of its neck. like <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but trying to avoid... 
avoid it. And yeah, where, where can I get in a lucky blow here and there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank yeah. you so much for Likewise. making time to come over here for, uh, thanks to your family as well for coming over here on a work night. It really means a lot to me. Um, if anybody wants to, if anybody's listened to you, uh, tonight and has questions for you, can they get in touch with you somehow? Oh, if man. not, it's okay. I mean, I, we can just, you know. I would say submit uh, questions to uh, to Andrew, and I'll be glad to respond. Yeah, okay. That uh, works, I'm, yeah. I'm not a social media guy, so. Yeah, I knew that about you. No. Well, that's why I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, cool, man. Well, thank you again so much for coming out, and yeah. uh, we'll do this again. Glad to. Sounds great. All Thanks. right. That was my interview with uh, Andrew Rubinson, a good friend of mine, former elder at my church here in Fort Worth. And uh, I hope you were encouraged by our discussion today and are able to put some of the things you shared into practice with your own family. As always, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a message straight from the homepage at defiantdad.com. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you like the show, would you mind sharing it with a friend and uh, perhaps leaving me a five-star rating? This is a super easy way to help boost the visibility of the show so that more dads like you and I can hear the life-changing message and encouragement of the gospel. Hey, if you're on Instagram like I am, I'd be honored to have your follow. The name there is The Defiant Dad, all one word, The Defiant Dad. And this is The Defiant Dad Podcast. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Hey, I'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening.